0: And welcome to the African-American Hour. I'm Rosemary Anquay, bringing you readings from the following publications. The Almanac, A-L-M-A-N-A-C, Missouri News, The Community Voice, Blavity, Ebony, and The Root. Today I'll begin with an article from The Almanac titled Happy Independence Day America written by The Almanac Editors June 27th 2022. 4th of July 2022. Celebrate with history, traditions, and recipes. What's the best way to celebrate the 4th of July? Refresh your memory about this all-important American holiday. What actually happened on July 4th, 1776? How did the founders envision our country's Independence Day celebration? What are ways to prep for your 4th of July? When is Independence Day this year? On the 4th of July, the United States observes a federal holiday in honor of the Declaration of Independence. If the 4th of July falls on a Sunday, the federal observed holiday is the following Monday, July 5th. If the 4th of July falls on a Saturday, the observed holiday for most, but not all, federal employees is Friday, July 3rd. What day of the week is the 4th? In 2022, the 4th falls on Monday. A brief history of Independence Day. We think of July 4th, 1776 as a day that represents the Declaration of Independence, America's revolutionary charter of freedom, and the document upon which the nation's founding principles were established. But July 4th wasn't the day that independence was declared, nor the day that the Declaration was officially signed. What this holiday commemorates is the adoption of the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1776, by delegates from the 13 colonies. On the 4th, the Continental Congress approved the final wording of the Declaration of Independence. This is the day we celebrate the birth of the United States of America. April 19, 1775, was the start of the American Revolution. During the battles of Lexington and Concord, Massachusetts, the first shots were fired between colonists and British troops. After these first military conflicts, tension between Britain and her American colonists continued to mount. On July 2nd, 1776, the Second Continental Congress voted for independence from Britain. Two days later, on July 4, 1776, the Congress approved the final draft of the Declaration of Independence, which had been drafted, Thomas Jefferson, back in June and edited by John Adams and Benjamin Franklin. On July 8th, the first public reading of the Declaration took place at the Pennsylvania State House now Independence Hall, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Later that same day, other readings occurred in Trenton, New Jersey, and Easton, Pennsylvania. Printer John Dunlap, D-U-N-L-A-P, made about 200 copies of the Declaration, with the date of July 4th. Known as the Dunlap broadsides, these were distributed throughout the 13 colonies. However, it wasn't until August 2nd, 1776, that the Declaration was officially signed. John Hancock, President of the Congress, was the first of 56 delegates who signed this enlarged version, writing in big bold letters. On August 4th, 1776, after delegates of the Continental Congress had signed the document the Declaration of Independence was made official. John Adams described the way Americans should celebrate their independence each year. He envisioned the celebration to be one filled with fun, games, and fireworks, not an occasion for displaying military strength, as one might expect. On July 3, 1776, he wrote these words to his wife, Abigail, capturing the spirit of the times. Yesterday, the greatest question was decided, whichever was debated in America, and a greater perhaps never was or will be decided among men. A resolution was passed without one dissenting colony, that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states. And as such, they have, and of right, ought to have full power to make war, conclude peace, establish commerce, and to do all the other acts and things which other states might rightfully do. The second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoca in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival it ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shoes, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward and forevermore. On July 18, 1776, an issue of the Virginia Gazette describes the July 4th celebration in Philadelphia. The evening was closed with the ringing of bells and at night there was a grand exhibition of fireworks which began and concluded with 13 rockets on the commons and the city was beautifully illuminated everything was conducted with the greatest order decorum and the face of joy and gladness was universal a number of years would pass until celebrations of the fourth of july became more common interestingly it was the death of John Adams and Thomas Jefferson that seemed to promote the idea of July 4th as an important date to be celebrated. And it was almost a century later, in 1870, that Congress declared July 4th a national holiday. What's really special about America's celebration of freedom is it was quite different from for its time, focusing on the joys of freedom. Many countries have emulated this spirit of celebration ever since. The Declaration of Independence is one of the most important documents in the history of the United States. It was an official act taken by all 13 American colonies in declaring independence from British rule. The document was originally written by Thomas Jefferson, but Benjamin Franklin and John Adams, along with Jefferson, then worked together to make changes. The final draft of the Declaration of Independence was adopted on July 4, 1776, but the actual signing of the final document took place on August 2, 1776. Here's an excerpt from the Declaration of Independence, United States, 1776. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed It is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. While we celebrate with fireworks, let's not forget the freedom that our founding fathers declared to the world over two centuries ago. This article is an excerpt from The Almanac, titled, Happy Independence Day, America, June 27th, 2022. Next is a special segment from Zen Education Project, Teaching People's History. It's a clip from Frederick Douglass. The meaning of July 4th for the Negro was a speech given by Frederick Douglass in Rochester, New York on July 5th, 1852. In this famous speech, Douglas says, "'What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that's revealed to him more than all other days of the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham your boasted liberty, an unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sound of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shout of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of the United States at this very hour. Excerpt from Howard Zinn and Anthony Arnove, A-R-N-O-V-E, book, Voices of a People's History of the United States. The next article is titled Abortion is Illegal in Missouri. Providers are looking to next battles to ensure access. By Tessa Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, Missouri News, June 26, 2022. Missouri's last remaining abortion clinic, seized all abortion services Friday. Angela Huntington, H-U-N-T-I-N-G-T-O-N phone was constantly ringing off the hook. When Texas fetal heartbeat ban on abortions went into effect last September, the number of patients calling Planned Parenthood Great Plains jumped overnight. In August, about 150 patients received financial assistance and help. In September, that increased to roughly 850. I remember my inbox would grow like every minute, Huntington, one of the organization's first patient navigators based in their Columbia clinic, said in an interview earlier this month. It was like a chat strand with how many emails I was getting. While abortions haven't been offered at the Columbia Clinic since 2018, Huntington is part of a growing team of patient navigators that aims to be guides for patients in a post-Roe world. Earlier this month, Huntington even helped an Oklahoma patient who did not have the means to pay for out-of-state travel to get to Kansas City on a private plane flown by a volunteer to reach an appointment. New regional centers that aim to continue to to facilitate access to abortions, even if they don't take place in Missouri, are gearing up both in Illinois and Kansas. The Regional Logistics Center has been operating in Fairview Heights since January while the Center for Abortion and Reproductive Equity in Kansas plans to get off the ground as soon as possible. Abortions are now illegal in Missouri after the United States Supreme Court watershed decision Friday, overturning Roe versus Wade, which had guaranteed a constitutional right to the procedure. Only abortions conducted in cases of medical emergency are permitted under the state's trigger ban. Missouri's last remaining abortion clinic seized all abortion services Friday. For abortion providers who, for decades, have faced the increasing restrictions from the GOP supermajority that controls Missouri State House, Friday's decision echoes familiar terrain. We've lived through this already. Emily Wales, Planned Parenthood Great Plains CEO and president said in an interview earlier this month, adding, it feels different because it is no longer death by a thousand cuts. And I think that's what it has been living in Missouri. For anti-abortion advocates, a new frontier awaits. The battle is not over, but the battleground has changed, said Sam Lee, a longtime lobbyist with Campaign Life Missouri. Lee said he expects there will be attempts to legalize abortion in Missouri, whether it's through a lawsuit to find a right abortion in Missouri's Constitution or a referendum to put the question before voters. In anticipation of Roe v. Wade being overturned, Missouri lawmakers had proposed legislation this past session to ensure that no right to an abortion exists in the state constitution. In Kansas, a proposed constitutional amendment on the ballot this August will decide whether a constitutional right to abortion exists, potentially ushering in a wave of new restrictions if voters decide it doesn't. It remains to be seen in which direction Missouri lawmakers will choose to go in a post-Roe world. Last year, Missouri lawmakers unsuccessfully attempted to bar certain forms of contraceptives from being paid for through the state's Medicaid program and have signaled another push may be up for discussion. A proposal that gained national attention to allow private citizens to sue whoever aids a Missourian in accessing an abortion regardless of where the procedure occurs, failed to gain traction in the legislature. Anything that would harm the child or kill the child shouldn't be in existence, said Mary Mashmeyer, M-A-S-C-H-M-E-I-E-R, founder of Defenders of the Unborn, and birth control is that. Meanwhile, earlier this month, The National Right to Life Committee proposed a model abortion law for states to adopt once Roe falls. The proposed legislation goes beyond just criminalizing providers who perform an abortion by making it illegal for anyone to help someone obtain an unlawful one. Under the model legislation, that includes sharing information online or by phone on how to obtain one. But for now, there are no more immediate battles to be fought. During a Friday roundtable discussion at the Planned Parenthood Clinic in St. Louis, Mallory Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-Z, Executive Director of Pro-Choice Missouri, unveiled that a bill would be introduced by the St. Louis alderman to create a funding stream to support access to abortions by issuing $1 million of American Rescue Plan Act funds to groups working to provide transportation, lodging, childcare, and more to patients in need of the procedure. The legislation makes St. Louis the fifth locale to provide municipal funding for access to abortion, Shorts said, and the first municipality to provide funding for all around pregnancy support, including access to doulas, lactation support, and mental health care during pregnancy and postpartum. Lee said he believes the bill would violate state laws that prohibit public funds, public employees, and public facilities from being used to assist abortions. A provision in state law defines public funds as any money received or controlled by the state or a public subdivision, which can come from federal, state, or local taxes, gifts, or grants from any source, public or private, federal grants or payments, or intergovernmental transfers, or intergovernmental transfers. There is just no question in my mind, Lee said, and if the Board of aldermen go through with it, then we will seek enforcement. Congressman Cory Bush, a St. Louis Democrat, urged the Biden administration on Friday to declare a national public health emergency and to increase funding to Title X health centers. This is an emergency, Bush said, and it demands emergency action. While the U.S. Supreme Court decision returning authority over abortion to the state Reproductive rights advocates in Missouri are renewing their calls for President Joe Biden's administration to step up its enforcement of federal laws to ensure that Missouri's safety net of reproductive health providers remains intact. This past legislative session, Missouri lawmakers zeroed out funding to abortion providers and their affiliates through the state budget. It awaits Governor Mike Parson's signature. Planned Parenthood has already sued over restricted Medicaid payments as a result of a supplemental budget signed into law earlier this year. In a May 12th letter, over 25 advocacy organizations, ranging from healthcare providers like Planned Parenthood to advocacy groups like Empower Missouri, urged the Centers for Medicaid and Medicaid services to enforce federal law that stipulates Medicaid patients can choose any qualified provider to receive services from. Advocates echoed those calls in Friday's roundtable discussion with U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becera, Becerra, B-E-C-E-R-R-A. Becerra, a Biden appointee and former California Attorney General vowed to ensure states are abiding by federal laws outlining access to care. We want to make clear, we respect a state's rights when it comes to its health and safety laws. Those are under the constitution left mostly to a state, the said later adding, we will make sure if there's a federal law in place that protects the rights of individuals in this country to access care that those rights are enforced. But HHS has yet to announce any action in the Missouri case. A spokesperson for the federal agency previously said in April it was reviewing the policy. But Kara said, enforcement may entail legal, act- legal action from the U.S. Department of Justice or ensuring the state is providing the services they're required to in order to receive Medicaid funds. By the end of Friday, shock at the decision had morphed to anger for reproductive rights advocates. Hundreds gathered at the Planned Parenthood Clinic in St. Louis, which up until Friday had been the only place to get an abortion in the state to chant, march, and share calls to action. Admits The crowd, propelled into the street by Friday's ruling, a Washington University student named Rita said her thoughts were turning inward. It absolutely changes the way that I approach relationships. My body doesn't feel like it's my own. It feels like it belongs to Mike Parson somehow, she said. It's terrifying to feel if I end up in a situation that's completely out of my control, you know. God forbid— if something happens to me, if I'm assaulted, that there's literally nothing I can do to help myself. This article is titled, Abortion is Illegal in Missouri. Providers are looking to next battles to ensure access. By Tessa Weinberg, Missouri Independent, June 26, 2022. The next article is titled, Michelle Morgan, M-I-S-H-A-E-L, of Young and the Restless Becomes First Black Woman to Win an Emmy as Lead Actress Written by Alexandra Jane August 26, 2022 History was made last night as Michelle Morgan of CBS's Young and the Restless became the first black woman to win an Emmy lead actress. Morgan, 35, who at one point portrayed the role of Hilary Curtis, now plays Amanda Sinclair on the long-running daytime drama series. At the 49th annual Award ceremony that took place at the Los Angeles Staples Center, Morgan graciously accepted her award and gave a speech that moved many to tears. I was born on a tiny island in the Caribbean and I'm now standing on an international stage and I'm being honored regardless of the color of my skin, regardless of my passport, for being the best at what I do, she began. Now there are little girls around the world and no matter what the industry, the vocation, they can strive to be their best. She continued, I need to thank the fans and everybody sitting at home. They embraced me when I came on this show, and I'm so immensely proud of our generation. We are breaking glass ceilings left, right, and center, and I'm so honored to be a vessel and to experience this moment. Everybody out there today, we can do this thing called equality and unity together, she added. Those who are fans of Morgan knows, know that this win comes after a heartbreaking personal tragedy in the actor's life. As People reports, just months ago, the Trinidad and Tobago native revealed that her brother-in-law, Nazir Ali, along with his wife, Raven Odea, O-D-E-A, and their three children all perished in a horrific house fire in Ontario, Canada. On Monday morning, my husband's only brother perished with his wife and three kids in a tragic house fire, Morgan tweeted back in March. I am still in absolute disbelief. Morgan's win comes at a time where there seem to be so many losses for women, black women in particular. Here's hoping that the actor continues shattering ceilings and making room enough to usher in the young girls. That will follow in her footsteps this article is titled michelle morgan of young and the restless becomes first black woman to win an emmy as lead actress written by alexandra jane the root june 26 2022 the next article is titled Biden Administration Continues to Cancel Out Student Loan Debt for Select Borrowers Written by Nick Fenley, F-E-N-L-E-Y, June 24, 2022 Under the Biden-Harris Administration, the U.S. Department of Education, ED, is continuing to usher in new student debt relief initiatives that positively impact some, though not all, borrowers. On Friday, the ED announced that Biden's expansion of the Public Service Loan Forgiveness, PSLF, program, dubbed the limited PSLF waiver, had yielded positive results for eligible borrowers. Notably, This expansion allowed people to more easily access the Beneficial Initiative, which cancels out borrowers' student loan debt if they agree to work at select nonprofit or governmental organizations for at least 10 years. Ushered in October, the temporary PSLF waiver Program allowed for about 145,000 people to collectively receive about $8 billion in student loan forgiveness so far, according to Business Insider. However, with the expansion set to expire on October 31, 2022, all eyes are on Biden to see if he'll extend it and allow more borrowers to access the program's benefits the temporary PSLF waiver program's successes comes right after the ED agreed to cancel approximately 6 billion dollars in debt for about 200,000 students allegedly defrauded by their institutions including schools like DeVry University and the University of Phoenix. This situation is related to the 2019 Sweet v. Cordona lawsuit, which addressed the subject of predatory student lending and ousted the institutions for seemingly misleading student borrowers. We are pleased to have worked with plaintiffs to reach an agreement that will deliver billions of dollars of automatic relief to approximately 200,000 borrowers, and that we believe will resolve plaintiffs' claims in a manner that is fair and equitable for all parties, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona said of the initiative. Additionally, as Blavity previously reported, the Biden administration recently offered game-changing relief to students who attended institutions affiliated with Corinthian colleges a now-dissolved for-profit education system that was investigated for fraud. These selective relief initiatives come amid calls for Biden to cancel at least $10,000 of student debt for all borrowers. With the current pause on federal student loan payments and interest set to expire on August 31st, it is widely expected that a decision will be announced in the near future. This article is titled, Biden Administration Continues to Cancel Out Student Loan Debt for Select Borrowers by Nick Fenley, Glavity News, June 24, 2022. The next article is titled, Abortion Rights Advocates Say They Need More Men's Voices. Written by Deepti Hajela D-E-E-P-T-I, last name H-A-G-E-L-A, Associated Press, The Community Voice, June 26, 2022. If Donovan Atterbury, A-T-T-E-R-B-E-R-R-Y, Thought about abortion at all as a young man, it was perhaps with some vague discomfort or a memory of the anti-abortion protesters outside the clinic that he would pass on his way to the park as a child. It became real to him in 2013 when his girlfriend, now his wife, became pregnant with their first child together. She had had a healthy pregnancy before, his stepdaughter, but this time genetic testing found a lethal chromosomal disorder in the developing fetus, one that would likely result in a stillbirth and possibly put her life at risk during a delivery. As a man, I didn't know how to console her, how to advise her, Atterbury, now 32, recalls. I said, if I had to choose, I would choose you. It wasn't a matter of do I believe in abortion or I don't believe in abortion. At that point, I was thinking about her life. She chose to terminate the pregnancy, and it changed my whole perspective on bodily autonomy and things of that nature, said Atterbury, so much so that he now works as a voting engagement organizer For New Voices for Reproductive Justice, which focuses on the health of black women and girls with abortion access being among the areas of concern. What I'm trying to convey is that it's a human right for someone to have a choice, he said. That Atterbury is a man in support of abortion rights isn't unusual. According to polls, a majority of American men say they support some level of access to abortion. And history is replete with men who have played active roles in supporting supporting abortion through organizations, as legislators, and in the case of George Tiller, as an abortion provider. Tiller was assassinated in church by an anti-abortion extremist, in Kansas in twenty in two thousand and nine, there is room for a lot more who are willing to speak out and be active in the political battles over abortion availability, Atterbury says, where men have always played an outsized role is in pushing for and enacting abortion restrictions as advocates, state elective officials, and most recently as a US Supreme Court justice. Justice Samuel Alito, A-L-I-T-O, authored a draft of a high court ruling that would overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, establishing a nationwide right to abortion. That draft, which was leaked to news outlet last month, appears to have the support of the majority of the six men sitting on the nine justice court. Women have always taken the lead in the fight to preserve abortion rights for obvious reasons. They are the ones who give birth and who, in so many instances, are tasked with caring for children once they are brought into the world. No one is calling for that leadership to change, said David Cohen, a law professor at Drexel University who specializes in law and gender. Men should not be out there trying to run the movement or take away leadership positions, he said, but being a part of it, supporting, listening, and being active are all things that men can and should be doing. That's what Oren Jacobson, O-R-E-N-J-A-C-O-B-S-O-N, is trying to do at Men for Choice, the organization he founded in 2015, where the goal is to get men say they support abortion rights, to speak out and do more, such as protesting, making it a voting priority, and especially talking to other men. Everything we're doing is focused on getting what are really millions of men who in theory are pro-choice, but are completely passive when it comes to their voice and their energy and their time in the fight for abortion rights and abortion access. get off the sidelines and step in the fight as allies, he said. It hasn't been the easiest of tasks. Abortion is almost never a conversation inside of male circles unless it is introduced by somebody who is impacted by the issue in most cases, he said. Not only that, but you're talking about a heavily stigmatized issue in society. You're talking about sex and sexuality you're talking about anatomy and none of those things are things that guides feel particularly comfortable talking about but it is something that affects them and the culture they live in notes barbara risman r-i-s-m-a-n society professor at the university of illinois at chicago sexuality has been so integrated into our lives whether or not we're partnered, she said, that is directly related to women's control of fertility, and women do not control fertility in a world where abortion is not legal. Certainly, heterosexual freedom is dependent on the ability to end an unwanted pregnancy. Also, a society in which the state has a say in reproductive decisions could lead to one in which the state has control over other decisions that could affect men more directly. Abortion law, abortion precedent, is not just about abortion. It is also about controlling intimate details to your life, he said. So whether it's your sex life, your family life, other parts of your private life, medical care, decision-making... All of those are wrapped up into abortion law and abortion jurisprudence and abortion policy, he said. Since the Supreme Court draft was leaked, Jacobson said he's seen more men speak out about abortion access and show more interest in his group's work than he has in the past several years. What remains to be seen, he said is whether or not it's going to catalyze the type of allyship that's needed now, and frankly, has been needed for a long time. This article is titled, Abortion Rights Advocates Say They Need More Men's Voices, written by Deepti Hajela, Associated Press and the Community Voice, June 26, 2020. 22. The next article is titled, Shambord Partners with Queer Eye Host Karamo Brown in Celebration of Pride Month, written by Jen Barthole, B-A-R-T-H-O-L-E, Ebony, June 1st, 2022. Pride 2022 is officially here and in honor of the month-long celebration Premium liqueur brand Shamboard announced a partnership with cultural expert, philanthropist, author, and actor Karamo Brown. As a member of Netflix Queer Eye Fab Five, Brown has majorly impacted and inspired members of the LGBTQ community, becoming a positive role model for the younger generation and beloved for his empathetic infectious personality. Brown is thrilled to collaborate with Shamboard since the brand is an authentic champion of diversity. He reflects, working with Shamboard is so amazing because we're aligned in our values about celebrating life. In addition to the partnership, Brown continues to amplify positive images of black fatherhood and success. As a father of two, he announced that his second children's book, I Am Okay to Feel, co-authored by his son, Jason, will be published on November 8th. The book encourages kids and adults, but this time to talk about their feelings and to know it's okay to be both vulnerable and strong. He also revealed a new nationally syndicated talk show entitled Karamo, with NBC Universal that will premiere on September 19th. In an Instagram post, he said, I was a poor, gay, black boy who had so many dreams but didn't know if it was possible. I was broke, scared, alone, but I never gave up on myself. And it's happening. Don't give up on yourself because your dream will come true too. The life you deserve is possible, I promise you. And I'll be here to help you through those hard moments. This article is titled, Shambord Partners with Queer Eye Host Karamo Brown in Celebration of Pride Month by Jen Barthol, Ebony, June 1st, 2022. The next article is titled, 2022 NBA Draft. Meet the new rising stars of the NBA. Written by Rashad Grove, G R O V E. Ebony, June 26th, 2022. Last Thursday, the 2022 NBA draft was held at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. The draft class of 2022 was not only an incredibly skilled and talented pool of potential NBA players, but on the red carpet, they rocked standout outfits befitting of their star quality. Unlike previous drafts, this year featured a star-studded class with three members who were 6 feet 10 or taller that could have potentially been picked at the number one spot. But like every other draft, surprises come in the shape of unexpected picks and blockbuster trades. Ebony caught up with several of the future NBA stars on the red carpet and spoke to them about their pre-draft expectations, who they partnered with, who they patterned their game after, and what they're looking <clears throat> and what they're looking forward to as they enter the league. Paolo, Pantero, the number 1 pick who dazzled the crowd with a show-stealing diamond-studded purple suit, spoke with excitement about the opportunity to display his skills against the teams, against the players he looked up to. "I modeled my game after a lot of different players," he said. "I like Jason Tatum, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis." I can't wait to shake the commissioner's hand and then showcase my game, helping my team. The number two pick, Chet Holmgren, H-O-L-M-G-R-E-N, who was chosen by the Oklahoma City Thunder, spoke about how he's going to set himself apart. I'm trying to be the first Chet Holmgren in the NBA. I'm not trying to be like any other player, he said brimming with confidence in a custom Zegna tuxedo, Z-E-G-N-A. I'm going to blaze my own path. Jabari Smith, who was selected third by the Houston Rockets and wore a custom ensemble that matched his alma mater, Auburn's school colors, blue, white, orange, claimed he was the ultimate player in the Tigers' history. I don't want... To disrespect Sir Charles Barkley, he laughed. But as competitive as we both are, I will say I'm the best. Then Smith went on to state that his game is modeled after Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Aditokumbo. Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray, the fourth pick who was chosen by the Sacramento Kings, described his style of play. As all around and NBA ready. Doing the little things on the court and working hard is why I know I'm ready for the challenge of the NBA, he explained while wearing a tailor made double breasted black and gray suit. I think John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks and Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks is who my game is similar to. The 13th pick, Jalen Duran, who was selected by Charlotte Hornets and later traded to the Detroit Pistons, believes his talent will make him one of the next rising stars in the NBA next season. Of course, there are a lot of guys in the league with a lot of talent. I feel like I'm bringing my own special talent, he said, dressed in a custom burgundy three-piece ensemble. Shaden Sharp, S-H-A-E, D-O-N, the seventh pick chosen by the Portland Trailblazers who rocked an all-black ensemble that was designed by his sister, was thankful for being blessed to get where he is now. I'm just embracing the moment, he reflected. I just want to thank my parents who made it all possible. The 17th pick, Tari Eason, E-A-S-O-N, whom the Rockets selected, was dripping in jewels over his green and black tux. I'm going to bring a high level of competition, intensity, defensive versatility, a good winning mentality, and a lot of energy to my team, he shared. The San Antonio Spurs chose Malaki Branham, B-R-A-N-H-A-M, with the 20th pick expressing a similar sentiment as sharp. It's going to be a lot of emotions, but I'm just living in the moment, said Bronham in a gray and black Paisley suit. When asked what he was going to do when his name is called, just me getting here is a big accomplishment. Other prospective NBA players who skipped playing on the collegiate level gained valuable experience playing in the NBA G League, which serves as a developmental program for elite pro prospects. Marjan Beauchamp, B-A-U-C-H-A-M, who played with Team Ignite and was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks with the 24th pick, recalled the long journey that made the moment possible. I'm looking forward to sharing all the emotions, the pain, the sacrifices, all that I had to go through. I'll finally let it out, he said in a black tuxedo with shawl lapels. Last year, Usman Dieng, O-U-S-M-A-N-E, Ding, D-I-E-N-G, played professionally with New Zealand's Breakers and was picked by the New York Knicks with the 11th pick before being traded to Oklahoma City Thunder. He said that his professional experience overseas, was the best path for him to make it to the NBA. Before the draft, he was already playing with grown men who played the NBA and the different Euro leagues, said Dieng, wearing a light burgundy tux with a black turtleneck. This article is titled, 2022 NBA Draft, Meet the New Rising Stars of the NBA. Written by Rashad Groove Ebony june twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. The next article is titled Mary J. Blige is Next Artist in Apple Music Concert Series by Mark Kennedy july first, twenty twenty two. New York Associated Press. Mary J. Blige's 2022 is going pretty well. Her new album landed in the top 10 of Billboard's R&B Hip Hop Albums chart, and she was featured at the Super Bowl halftime show. Now she's been tapped for a concert like no other. Blige will host a one-night-only live performance to celebrate her life and music that will be available to stream exclusively on Apple Music in over 165 countries. The concert is set for July 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. The last year of my career in particular has been an exciting ride, Blyde said in a statement. It feels amazing to take this opportunity to celebrate, reflect, and have an intimate night with my fans. Through this platform, Apple Music is providing me. Elijah's Apple Music Live Concert will be held at New York City's United Palace Theater in Manhattan's Washington Heights neighborhood. Fans in the greater New York region have the opportunity to register for free for a chance to be in the room when it happens. The concert coincides with the 30th anniversary of her acclaimed debut album, What's the four one one? And Apple Music hits will devote the entire day to Blythe, including exclusive programming, music, and interviews showcasing key moments from her career. What's the four one one? With the songs "You Remind Me" and cover version of Rufus and Chaka Khan's "Sweet Thing," has been named among the 500 greatest albums of all time by. Rolling Stone, reaching number 271. The album is certified three times platinum with over 3 million copies sold. The Digital Concert Series had its inaugural performance in May with Harry Styles spearheading the campaign followed by a live performance by Lil Durk in June. Blige's career includes eight multi-platinum albums, nine Grammy Awards, Academy Award nominations, two Golden Globe nominations, and a SAG nomination. Her latest album is Good Morning Gorgeous, and she was seen this year on the small screen in Power Book 2, Ghost. This article is titled, Mary J. Blige is Next Artist in Apple Music Concert Series, written by Mark Kennedy, July 1st, 2022. The next article is titled, Tabitha Brown gives us another reason to stand with Food Network's first vegan cooking show by Kui Mawai, K-U-I-M-W-A-I, Lavity News, June 30, 2022. Tabitha Brown announced that she would be the host of its complicated Food Network's first vegan cooking show, Green Matters. Reports. She broke the good news Wednesday on social media, sharing how excited she is. Family, look what the Lord has done, she wrote on Instagram. He took me from my car eating a sandwich to live cooking shows in my home kitchen and now to at Food Network. I'm so grateful to at World of Wonder, at Food Network and at Discovery Plus hashtags for going on this journey with me. The show is about to change the way we all see food. It's for everyone, and I can't wait to take you all on the journey with me starting August 11th. According to a press release, It's Complicated is going to challenge chefs to please picky eaters with plant-based food. Each episode will include a new cast of four chefs and consist of three rounds of cooking tasks. The chef who makes the best meal will be the winner and will walk away with $10,000. Manit Shohan, Chopped Judge and Tournament of Champions 2 winner, will also join the show. Fans can't wait to see the new competition cooking show. This is what we've been waiting for, one fan wrote. That's awesome, congratulations, I'll be watching plant-based. Yes, finally, I'll be definitely tuning in, another wrote on Instagram. Brown went viral in 2017 after she shared a video reviewing Whole Foods TLTA sandwich made up of tempeh, lettuce, tomato, and avocado, Entertainment Tonight reports. Since then, her career has skyrocketed, with the star landing her own web show on Ellen DeGeneres Network, guest starring on Will and & Grace, and hosting a bi-weekly segment on Vogue Instagram. According to Green Matters, she also put out her own seasoning, Sunshine Seasoning, and released her memoir, Feeding the Soul, Because It's My Business, which became a number one New York Times bestseller. More recently, she collaborated with Target for the Tabitha Brown for Target line, which features vivacious clothing and accessories. This article is titled, Tabitha Brown Gives Us Another Reason to stand with Food Network's first vegan cooking show by Kui Mowai Blavity, June 30th, 2022. That's all the time we have for the African American Hour. My name is Rosemary Amquit. Thanks for joining me.